1: Hello welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with Ascinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. You can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. Now, this show also... Has listeners from all over the world. So, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what that impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, business values, and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we are on every podcast platform on the net, on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. You can find us all over. Just look for Leadership Beyond Borders. Now, I also invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to Borders at gmail.com or go to the website leadershipbeyondborders.net. Let me know what you'd like to hear about on this broadcast. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week, and we will make sure that you take away something useful for your business or yourself. So now let's go on to what we're going to talk about today, one of my favorite subjects. Leadership expert Chris Pierce used an analogy in his Forbes article in 2018 on leadership in crisis. And he, what he said was, he reflected on some of the mistakes we make in leadership. And he said, if you want to grow a pumpkin, you need four elements, earth, water, sun, and a seed. And during the process of growing that pumpkin, you focus on these four elements and you do not focus on the pumpkin. And if you focus on the four elements the of Jansen Associates, she is the author of a Demystifying Talent Management, and also the co-author of Determining Leadership Potential, Powerful Insights to Winning at the Talent Game, both books are available on Amazon. The Janssen Associates has a goal to unleashing people's potential globally, and Kim has been on the ground working with leadership teams in over 40 countries for 25 years. She has hosted and successfully conducted leadership programs in Singapore, China, Malaysia, Russia, New Zealand, England, France, and Canada, Holland, Italy, and many other countries. Jans- associates, works with firms from startup level to Fortune 100 companies in all industries. Kim is considered a premier executive coach and is a member of the Ford's Coaching Council and serves as an executive coach instructor at Harvard Business School. So, Kim, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's such a great community to be part of, and the things that you've discussed on this forum are really powerful, so I'm honored. Thank you.
1: Well, well, thank you for taking the time. And um, let's just start out with it simple. You know, you, you're an executive coach, you're a leadership leader. Um, you wrote your first book, Demystifying Talent Management, and then a second book, Determining Leadership Potential. Um, how, what drove you to write both these books? You can start with the first one and talk about the second one. They
2: both have come out of a point of frustration on behalf of people who sit in organizations and are not having an experience that is helping them reach their potential. We in HR have thrown a lot of people, a lot of things at people along the way. We confuse them. We try to manage their careers with templates. We have so many different uh, examples of poor leadership out there and I've had enough. And so my intent in writing these books is nothing short of changing the world. I'm tired of the incompetence I'm tired of the lack of clarity and I think we can do something to positively influence leadership in this space
1: you know when you say templates I have to laugh because uh going through my career as a CEO for quite a few years oh my gosh those those HR templates make you crazy sometimes <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, they make me so mad <laughs> yeah. exactly they you try they to put- mask,
2: they mask yeah. incompetence is what they do yeah.
1: You try to put a circle in a square box all the time. So um, anyways, um, let me ask you a question right now, because, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic and we've we've changed everything we've done um, and we're seeing, uh, you know, indications of, of leadership in crisis. Do you really think today we are having we are in a leadership crisis?
2: I absolutely do. I have I'm generally an optimistic person and think about what's within our control and have patience for a lot of change but i am quite worried about the state of things at this moment in time i think we have a crisis on a number of fronts i think the world's exhausted i think mm-hmm. we've done a very poor job of putting good leaders in place you know we we try to fix it after the fact rather than find the right people who should be good leaders there's So many challenges in the business environment and a big new challenge every day. And we have a smaller pool of people to choose from to be good leaders with more than 10,000 baby boomers retiring every every single day. So the influx of all of those factors brings us to this moment where we do have a, a leadership crisis
1: yeah and and I'm gonna to touch on a couple of those in a minute, but i, I want to, I want to stay with with kind of um recognizing good leadership because you know sometimes I see there there there's kind of a big gap you know or is there such a gap between good and bad leadership and a lot of times there doesn't seem to be a lot in between. Is that what you're seeing? I think there is
2: an in between, but I
1: think mm-hmm.
2: that People don't feel compelled to respond to in between. I think poor leaders are so bad that they (laughs) garner a lot of frustration and attention and require us to do something about it. And then I think the great leaders create such an experience that they call a lot of attention. And what that also creates is employees who are apathetic about leadership in the middle. If the manager isn't too bad, we have taught them to tolerate mediocrity. You know, we've conditioned them to deal with you know, poor leaders or, or average leaders. And then the other piece that's a factor in this is people fear retaliation. So mm-hmm. it has to be a big deal for them to really challenge a situation and so you have what I think is a reaction to the extremes of very good or appreciation of uh, of how to manage or, or get out of a very bad situation.
1: Mm-hmm. And actually, when you think about that, Kimberly, it's, it, you know, you think about, oh, my, my boss isn't so bad, so I'm not going to say anything. You know what I mean? Right. Kind of just, yeah. you know, going with the flow and it could be worse.
2: <laughs> right, <laughs> so, precisely, yeah. precisely. That's yeah. why I don't think we... Call attention to the messy metal.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's there, but we don't call attention. But you know, coming back to what you said, and uh, um, picking good leaders. I mean, it, it, we see we see that all the time. I mean, why the companies? And I'm also thinking about not just companies. We as as people, um, voters, and politics. And why do we struggle to pick good leaders?
2: I think there's probably five or six very compelling reasons about what limits our effectiveness in this area the first is what what we talked about we are confused in the space and we Mm -hmm. have a lot of people who give us a template to fill out that has nothing to do with actually moving the needle on competence so i Mm -hmm. think the thought leaders in this space have confused it it takes a lot of time to be very good at something just think about your golf game and mm-hmm. the skills that are needed to be a good leader are an effort that needs to be committed to lots of time dedicated to and i think we've downplayed this you know i don't think that we've treated it as, you know as an entity also the people who are choosing the folks who should be good leaders are not trained they don't mm-hmm. know what to look for also in uh, three research studies I did, they're looking for all different things. And then they say, well, I choose them based on observation, but we haven't trained them on how to be good behaviorists or really skilled at observation. They're also, they don't have good tools on how to do mm-hmm. it well, and then they're not rewarded, right? It's, mm-hmm. there's no, it's an inherent reward and people who get the joke in this space actually know the big reward but there's no overt tie to leader success that would drive a different set of behavior.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to come back to the people who are choosing it in a few minutes, but I, I just want to kind of um, piggyback on, on the skills. Okay. Because, you know, we're, we're, we have, we're full of leadership training out there. Okay. You know, there's a thousand classes out there. Okay. And people, it seems like people just take the classes to, tick the box, okay? Um, are we putting the wrong focus on leadership training or we just don't understand what's behind, what should be behind it? Yeah, I think it's a couple of components
2: uh, in reflection to that question you asked. First of all, we're. I just wrote an article and the exact statistic for the amount we spent last year is 366 billion in this space. So hmm. we're committed in some ways towards developing leaders, but we've got a couple of dynamics that are limiting our success. One is that we're choosing the wrong leader to start. So Mm -hmm. just think about athletes. You can pay a lot of money for coaching of an athlete, but if that athlete doesn't have the right raw components, you will only get so far. The other Mm -hmm. dynamic is we don't have strong coaches in organizations Coaching the coaches. Mm -hmm. We have, think of it like um, kids going to camp and they go and they get all these new behaviors and ways of trying things on. And then we go back and we put them in the same house. And then the the house works to bring that person back to who they were. That's what happens when we send people off to these leadership events. We need people on site to coach the coaches to help them apply what they're learning.
1: No, no, a, a great analogy. I, I, I have to say before we take the break, um, I, I just had my eleven-year-old uh, uh, niece here in Europe for seven weeks, and uh, when I when I brought her back to her mother, I said, "God forbid, the seven weeks. Let let her take some of this experience back yeah. home." Right now. Precisely. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. It's great. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take a short break, and when we get back, I, I, I want to kind of drill down a little bit on. Um, and recognizing high performers and high potential, and um, and talking about if there's really a blueprint, you know, for good leadership. When we get back, so um, for our listeners, our guest today is Dr. Kimberly Jansen, and she is the president and CEO of Jansen Associates, and she is the author of Demystifying Talent Management, and also the co-author with Dr. Melody Rawlings on Determining Leadership Potential, Powerful Insights to Winning at the Talent Game. And uh, Jansen Associates has a goal to unleashing potential, p- p- people's potential globally, and she has been working around the globe to develop leaders. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Jansen Associates, you can go on Associates. And if you'd like to take a look at the new book, it's on www.determining leadership Potential. And Dr. Jansen is also on Facebook under Jansen Associates and Instagram under Jansen Associates and on LinkedIn under Kimberly, Dr. Kimberly Jansen. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search association. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers. Focused on digital. They also hold conferences and their next conference is in Florence, Italy, October 16th to 18th. So you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back.
0: Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC
1: Defeat the Chaos with Corey Harris and Julie Traxler hits on topics every week that affect small business owners across this country. They provide insights that show entrepreneurs how to reduce stress, wear fewer hats, and work shorter hours. Take your business from being owner dependent and stagnant to growth ready and process driven every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. on Borders I'm Kimberly Lewis your host and our guest today is Dr. Kimberly Jansen and she is the president and CEO of Jansen Associates and she's the author of Demystifying Talent Management and also the co-author of Determining Leadership Potential Powerful Insights to Winning at the Talent Game. Now, before before the break we were we we're talking kind of like what was happening with leadership day, you know, do we have a leadership crisis? What are we focusing? Are we focusing on the right things? And um, Kim, I have a question because when you go into a company, you know, you're always seeing these pools of, you know, this, this person is a high potential. This is a high performer, um, you know, and and they get put into special programs, maybe development programs. But, but what I, my experience is a lot of time. That, that's focusing on operational output rather than leadership potential. Do you, do you think we're doing these programs right or are we focusing on the wrong thing or, or maybe a combination of just not tweaking it the way it should be?
2: I love this question because I think it gets to one of the biggest root causes about why we don't have more good leaders, because I think we're choosing incorrectly. And that's been fueled by the tens of thousands of people I've worked with. You know, I've seen it real time, but I had it as a a burning question and I conducted three different research studies on that very front. And one was a qualitative case study where I looked at leaders at four different levels in an organization and, and worked with over a dozen organizations. The second was a global study of nearly 600 leaders and the third study was qualitative interviews with more than 50 CEOs around the world. And one of the big things that came out of it is the amount of variation that exists with what people are looking for. The other thing that came out is they're looking for the wrong thing. <laughs> so they'll, they'll sell, they say things like decision making. That is not a selection criteria. That's a skill that we can develop. but. Mm-hmm. If we identify folks early in their career, they're not going to be great at making a decision as a leader. Another false assumption on what to look for is performance, to your point, looking at the output, which should be your ticket to entry into the conversation about whether someone would be uh, a viable candidate for leadership and be able to make a bet on this person. Mm -hmm. But that's it, because unless the work is exactly the same performance the research will show you is not a predictor of potential but there are some very specific things that are predictors
1: mm-hmm. yeah that 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 was kind of an excellent answer and, and really big insight so so when when we're looking at this prediction, i mean is and you talk about this in your book um is there is there a leadership blueprint i mean what should we be looking for
2: yeah so Two great guys had done a tremendous amount of research. And one is the head of talent at PepsiCo, Alan Church, and a colleague of his, his, Rob Siltzer. They looked at the last 50 years of thought leadership. And then they looked at a number of organizations and they created something called the Leadership Blueprint. So if you (laughs) Google the Leadership Blueprint, (laughs) you will see their work. And a lot of what was in the studies I conducted was testing out some of these assumptions. And the blueprint I take to all of my clients because it's got great resolution in terms of what we should look for. And that blueprint says this, there's two things that are not changeable, intelligence and personality. So Mm -hmm. we can't get smarter, we can gain more knowledge. But as a leader, things only become more complex as you go up in an organization. So we need to hire people or select people who have that cognitive strength, the cognitive agility to be able to handle those challenges. Personality and the centuries of research that support this, it's you know what what we're born with is what we have. Mm-hmm. And short of some significant life change, then personality largely doesn't change. So I don't advocate, certainly as the former chief diversity officer of two Fortune 500 companies, I would never say there's one personality type that we have to hire. But be careful of derailing personality attributes. Mm If someone who is so negative, it's not going to change. Someone Mm -hmm. who is really risk-averse, very self-focused, those are people who, short of some major life event, are going to have that through their life. Don't torture people by putting those folks in leadership positions. So weed out folks based on those two because they're not changeable. And then the other two, we don't control, the individual controls. So you also wanna weed out folks who don't lean into these next two or don't believe in them and certainly don't demonstrate them. And those two factors are motivation and learning agility. Mm -hmm. leaders to bring high energy and passion to what they do because they should be doing big things. And so hire or promote people with big engines. And then the other is learning. The amount of dynamic change that happens every single day in the world of work or government or wherever requires us to keep reinventing ourselves and have a voracious appetite to keep learning. And then also assimilate information very quickly. We need that in our leaders. Those four
1: components, if we have them, we Can teach him anything, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I it, it's really interesting. Um, you know, the intelligence, the cognitive ability, I you know, I get that. The I, you know, where I kind of wonder, which comes to my next question, is on the personality, okay, mm. and and this comes to my next question on are we what you said before do the people who are doing the hiring understand this, okay, because um. You know, the attributes of personality, um, as you said, not being negative because, you know, that would kind of rub off on the team or being not completely um, self-focused. Sometimes those personality attributes, such as, you know, being self-focused, were seen in the past as actually, you know, Almost positive. My, you know, God, this one guy or this woman is really knows who they are, and really, you know. So, I mean, are are we? Do the people doing the first screening and doing the hiring? Do they understand what they're looking for with intelligence, personality, motivation, or learning agility?
2: No, I, I firmly believe that's a. There's a tremendous lack of competence in that area. So let's just stick with your example. The there's a difference between being self-focused and being self-aware. There's you know there's a difference between being confident and being so uh, what might be termed in short amount is charisma, but Mm -hmm. so larger than life that you actually don't leave room for anybody else. Oh by the way, Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. a third of CEOs could be diagnosed as clinically narcissistic. (laughs) I was good. Say, ask that. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Because what what we see is really um, under-evaluated. And what I have experienced is a lot of times my clients will ask me to uh, interview for C-level positions and boards will ask me to be part of CEO selections. The questions they're asking are not designed to get under- of person's thinking. So, you know, questions I ask are things like, how do you maintain self awareness? Or how are you most often misunderstood? Or what's your hot button? You know, if, 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 if I was to trip into it, how would I know? And I, I'm able to get people to think about things they don't normally think about. And in that, in spite of themselves, they tell me things about themselves. Most people don't focus on that level and haven't had the trained experiences to give them good observational skills. And so, so many are getting through that shouldn't because of that.
1: Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes back to that, that check, check template type thing. Yeah. Don't yeah. you think so? Yeah. And, 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 you know, there a, really, a question always presses me and, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this Um you know, we went years ago of of really going through through interviews and talking to people, and then we went to the digital stage of, you know, put everything on LinkedIn and make sure you have the right keywords and things. Um, do you do you think we've gone a little far with like digital pre selection, um, uh, you know, especially at this level? Okay, at this you know CEO level. Um, do you think we're missing these? Because you really can't judge intelligence, personality, motivation, va- motivation, or learning agility by a um, a digital selection process.
2: I agree with your assertion there. I think that unique experiences that are non traditional or Uh, ways in which people have cultivated these components wouldn't necessarily show up verbatim on Mm -hmm. a resume. And frankly, I assume the recruiter has done the job Mm -hmm. by having a good conversation to sort through that this person is at least viable to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why I go to a resume is if they have had so many jobs or...
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Un, you know, unrecognized gaps in their resume. And I ask them questions like, tell me what you got from this role and what was the decision-making that led you to this next role? Because again, that gives me insight to their personality or how motivated they are, et cetera, et cetera, how they choose to answer those types of questions. So I think your, your spidey sense on this over-reliance on digital screening is fair, and mm-hmm. for me, it really is the conversation.
1: Yeah, and and, and you know, it, it makes it makes life easy, <laughs> Kim. Okay, you know, <laughs> something makes something, and, and that brings me to the question you talk about a little bit in your book: is is the bias on determining leadership potential? Okay, and on um, or just the bias on selection? And I, I you know, I, I remember. When I was, um, you know, I worked for venture capital, and I and, and I was wor- looking at, you know, the selection process of um, startups and getting VC money, and CEOs, and um, you know, of course, when it when it comes to to women's getting venture capital money, you know, it, it's like five percent, okay. And then mm-hmm. I read I read a study that something like three out of four CEOs today are are over six feet in the U S. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's really physical bias or gender bias, but I mean, you know, do you think there's still, well, obviously there's bias out there, but uh, do you think we've gotten better on not being biased on, on looking in the selection process? I think we have some CEOs who
2: have been part of really terrific organizations where this has been acknowledged, and they've built good processes to help suss through that and try to limit that. But you know, your example about male—and by the way, it's male height. It's male yeah, female height. Yes,
1: yes. Excuse me. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that, that actually goes to an even stronger question mark because if you're over six-two, then your income level jumps, and over six-two are about. of CEOs, whereas in the population, they're less than 5%. -hmm. And so we've got these hero uh, lenses by which we look at people. And that's just one good good example. But honestly, we're doomed from the start because our brain is wired towards bias. Yes. you know, we're, we if we had to look at every piece of data and reevaluate it, we would have been eaten up by the woolly mammoths. I mean, it's just not possible. <laughs> and from from birth, our brains are predisposed towards preferences, and so I think some of the critical work is just owning that and recognizing you like what you know, you like what looks like you, and if a person went to a similar school you have a very different reaction to that than someone who is very different from who, who you are. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you reference physical bias, you know, one quick example that's famous is an orchestra, a famous orchestra, when they did blind auditions, women got through twice the rate as mm-hmm. they did with regular ones. Yeah. And so I think it's just a good call to action to say we're human. This is part of how we, operate unconsciously and we need to be better than that to make sure that we're creating a a
1: heterogeneous workforce, but also leadership solution. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, Kim, we're going to take another break now. And when we come back, I I just want to talk about, you know, what do we do about this now uh, and talk about, you know, where those potential leaders are and kind of what CEOs are saying about leadership Going forward, um, because we are in this crisis, and how do we how do we get ourselves out of it? Okay, and for our guests today, we are for our listeners today, we are talking to Dr. Kimberly Jansen, and she is the president and CEO of Jansen Associates, and she is the author of Demystifying Talent Management and the co-author of Determining Leadership Potential: Powerful Insights to Winning at the Talent Game and you can find those both on Amazon and you can also learn more about her under Jansen and determiningleadershippotential.com also has some information about the book. You can also uh, find Dr. Jansen on Jansen Associates on Facebook and Instagram and on LinkedIn under Dr. Kimberly Jansen. And uh, We are also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. And Cinda also has a learning platform in cooperation with Boss Capital and Boss Startup Science, which helps small and medium businesses as well as enterprises. Be more successful in product launches. So you can find more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Tune in each week for the Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to The Labenthal Report, live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to Leadership Beyond at Gmail dot com. Again, that's Leadership Beyond at Gmail dot com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to
1: Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and today we are talking with Dr. Kimberly Jansen. And she is the president and CEO of Jansen Associates. She is also the author of demystif of uh, co-author of determining leadership potential, powerful insights into winning at the talent game, and the author of demystifying talent management. So we've been talking about um, you know how we how we determine good leaders, the the kind of blueprint for good leaders, and and what's going on today. And Kim, I'd like to I'd like to you know kind of talk uh, first, ask you. Um, what is your definition? You know, we've talked about the the qualities, the intelligence, the personality, the motivation, learning agility, but what is your definition of determining leadership potential? How do you really determine that?
2: Yeah. First, I think it has to be a process. I think you need to have rigor around the work you do to assess the capacity and the likelihood of people to develop capabilities to be a strong leader. And if it's not a process, then it's typically not fact-based or uh, seated in really good analysis. So if you use that as a definition, then your process can focus on ensuring your candidates do have those strong cognitive skills, no personality derailers, high motivation, high learning agility. And I think it should be fueled and informed by
1: the use of assessments.
2: So that's how that that would be my definition of determining leadership potential.
1: Okay, and and how uh, uh, you know when you talk about fueled by assessments, what do you mean by that? There are so many
2: great resources available to us that can help inform or validate our opinions. So, for example, one of my favorite. Is the Hogan Executive
1: Assessment. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: You know, more than 10 million leaders from around the world use it. It's been decades of use and it helps you not only understand where folks line up in terms of, you know, to the far left or right on behaviors, but also against the norm. And we all line up on, on a scale, but it's the level of self awareness that has led to us developing different strategies to compensate where, where, where we're not strong. So any strength taken too far is not a great thing. Mm-hmm. Anything that, that's really missing from our repertoire is not a great thing. But it's okay if we mitigate it with some different strategies. And so tools like that help create a level of awareness that then allows you to think about how this person shows up behaviorally. That would mm-hmm. be an example.
1: Yeah, yeah, Hogan. Hogan. I like Hogan. Um, I think it it really also kind of also helps you determine where you're best suited. Okay, you know, um, it really is a good tool. And and so you, you do a lot of research. Okay, and you've talked to a lot of CEOs. And and what you know, what are you seeing in the research? And what are CEOs saying about leadership?
2: Yeah. So as I mentioned, I did several studies in this space, and in the global study. The top couple of things that leaders, including CEOs, said were most important were things like emotional intelligence, someone who can solve problems, they're great at communication, adaptive, they're authentic, they're creative thinkers, ethical, strategic, collaborative, and high-performing. Those were the top 10. But that first one, emotional intelligence, it was only 7% of nearly 600 people. <laughs> The second one was only 5%. So look at how much variation exists. When I did the CEO specific study the top 10 there was ability to create followership, curiosity, performance again. Remember that's not a predictor of potential. Mm -hmm. Uh, Empathy, communicative skills, long term thinking integrity, uh, humility, good listener, collaborative. You can't argue that those aren't good things, but they're they're not necessarily predictors of potential. And that top one, followership, only 8% mm-hmm. of them said it. The second wow. one, curiosity, 4%. So I think even though we're asking, the level of variation is one of the biggest detriments to success in cracking cracking this issue. And I think we need some consistency around that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, I, when I think of um, curiosity, it kind of leans into you know learning agility to me a little bit you know but but yeah but but on the other hand you know if only 4% saying that you say wow what's wrong there okay right? so yeah. exactly but um let, let's look at you know we talked about the crisis so let let's look at what's going on today the the baby boomers are le- leaving okay um and we have this generation Z coming in okay um you know they, these should be some of the the potential I mean, they're quite young, but, you know, potential leaders, and and there seems like they're not interested. There's like a tendency of more entrepreneurship and not leadership, and and we do see that gap that many entrepreneurs are not really good leaders, okay? Um, What what do you think's happening there? Is there just no interest in leadership, or is this a generational thing, and and how are we going to solve this? I have
2: two levels of reaction to that question. The first is I actually have come across a number of folks in this generation who are actually interested in being a great leader. But the second part of my answer is this generation is not willing to tolerate the baloney that Mm -hmm. you and I tolerated in our Mm -hmm. generation, right? right? So they're not interested in politics. They're tired of subjectiveness and focusing on what I think is foolish stuff. Um, they find too much bureaucracy in organizations and with their being raised on a fast paced digital world, the hoops that they have to jump through aren't worth it to them and they have more options than ever.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: you combined all of those things and it's enabling them to make different choices and so, if we want to grab them, then we need to really get in the better, get in a game that says we're going to do a better job in this space,
1: mm-hmm. and pay attention to more important things. And and you know, not just Generation Z. Another question, uh, you know, we're just coming out of. Um, you know, two years of this pandemic, okay? And we saw leadership panic, okay? We saw some companies doing quite well and, and, and with really good leadership. And then we saw, saw a lot of um, uh, sad things, you know, companies going down and, and not a lot of leadership. And especially when it comes to the virtual world, um, how do you think the, this new workplace has impacted the kind of leadership that we're looking at today or need?
2: I think it's pulled out what I feel has been a necessary attribute of good leaders along the way, Mm -hmm. which is meeting people where they are. I think ineffective leaders stand where they feel like standing, communicate in a style that's comfortable for them and try to yank people to them. I think what's created from this chaos is a need to meet people where they are, to figure out different ways in which people communicate, package our messages in ways that are valuable to them or they can hear it better, figure out what's important to them, and then create maybe non-traditional solutions to help them be their best self. That's been a critical component of great leaders we've We've just heard that when you say. Hey, who is the best boss and what did they do? It they've done elements of this. But I think the impetus has become has become essential. I don't think that we've kind of gotten the memo on it yet. And so we have a discord between managers in terms of how they managed before and the shift
1: in terms of how employees are feeling today. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And and it's not just um, you know, my my second question is not just you know we went it's virtual it's a virtual workplace it's, it's a different kind of working um, but it, but it's also um, you know I'm sitting here in Europe uh, we have really multi multicultural teams okay and um, it, you know we're in a really diverse uh, at least in Europe a, a diverse environment and and that impacts the kind of leadership you need also you um, you know, dealing with with multiple cultures and multiple languages and and multiple work habits. Um, so, do you think that has also, you know, do you think we have to look for a a, um, a leader that really has more EI and more learning agility because of this multicultural workforce force?
2: For Absolutely. So, I always love working with my European partners because the configuration of Europe, to your point, has facilitated a lot of interactions with different cultures. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think the effects of conditioning previously have allowed people to be limited in terms of the level of flexibility and how they led. It's something I've lived my whole life because, first of all, I'm the youngest of 10 children. so And not wow. one of them is the same, right? <laughs> <laughs> And then my work, if I was in Malaysia, then I wasn't in uh, Madrid, but I still had work in Madrid. So mm-hmm. my effects of conditioning forced me to learn how to operate. I think we have a, a lot of people in the world who have not had to operate in different ways. And so mm-hmm. this virtual peace has been difficult for them. And I always say... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know this person isn't in the building, but what if they were in Tokyo? <laughs> you know, what, if, what if someone was over there? And so I think we've got to just really change those effects of conditioning to help people open their eyes.
1: Yeah. Okay, um, we're getting towards the end, uh, Kim. So we have a lot of executives listening, um, you know, a lot of C-suite um, on this show. So if you had to 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 wrap everything up um, with a message, to, to leaders and executives and managers out there and even, you know, employees out there about, you know, leadership, their own leadership, potential leadership. What would you, your message be?
2: I think the first is choose better originally. Let's start with a mm-hmm. better pool of candidates and use criteria that's predictive. And I shared with you what I think that is. Yeah. I think to do that, We need to align decision makers around what we're looking for, educate them, give them good tools and assessments to do that good work. So that's the first part. Once we have that pool, then everybody should have a clear development plan. Every year, it should be revisited. And think about it like your uh, retirement fund. That equity in that person should grow intentionally over time. Help them develop judgment. That's one of the biggest mm-hmm. limiters I see at the senior levels. Yeah. And then make sure you're leveraging lots of coaching. We adopt it in all all sports, right? your your mm-hmm. uh, football team in Europe, there's always a lot of coaches, American yeah. football, et cetera, but we don't leverage it enough in the workplace, and I think that providing resources to help in that space makes a huge difference. So, Uh, Doing those things, I think, would be really powerful for organizations and transformational, quite frankly.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. Great, great tips to end with. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time. For our listeners, uh, we have been talking with Dr. Kimberly Jansen, and she is uh, the co-author of Determining Leadership Potential, Powerful Insights to Winning at the Talent, and um, also the co-author, uh, the author of *Mystifying Talent Management*, and if you'd like to reach out to Dr. Jansen, you can reach out to her on jansenassociates.com. And if you want to learn more about the book, determining leaders' potential.com is on the web. You can also reach her on Facebook and Instagram under Jansen Associates, and if you'd like to look her up on LinkedIn under Dr. Kimberly. Jansen, So um, Dr. Jansen, thank you so much. It's been very insightful and great insights and great tips for our listeners. And thank you for taking the time.
2: It's been my pleasure. I'm so appreciative of the chance to talk about this. So thanks for having me.
1: Thanks. Thank you. And for our listeners, please tune in to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us, do not worry. We are all over the web so you can find us uh, everything from Apple to Spotify. And this broadcast has also been brought to you by Cinda. And if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, thank you for listening. And until next week.